Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good morning. Children's Church is dismissed. It's ready for Bennett to say, yes. You always get so excited for Children's Church. Good to see each of you here, excited to worship together don't know me, my name's Aaron, and I'm glad to be I hope you are too. We have an awesome God, don't we? Sometimes we need reminded of that. A couple um, just quick notes just to bring to your attention. Um, first, Lisa and I had uh, the great privilege of uh, attending um, Gideon's dinner this week. It was uh, Gideon's pastor appreciation dinner, and the Gideons continue to do such a great ministry and a great work uh, sharing the word of God around the globe. It's so awesome. And uh, our hearts were full, filled that night as we just heard testimony of, of just how God uses his word. And you've probably been to a hotel that uh, if you look not too hard, there's a Bible in that hotel room, right? And it's placed there by the Gideons. And their ministry spans not just here in the U.S., but across the globe. And we heard a testimony of a young woman who who uh, grew up in India and just uh, wanted nothing to do with the gospel, wanted nothing to do with God's word, wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And, uh, and, and yet here was this red book that was before her, and, and, uh, and she, she one day opened it and read in that uh, the story of Jesus and uh, gave her life to Jesus, and just awesome how her and her husband now serve and uh, the ministry and, and want others to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's just awesome how God works. He's not limited by space or time or or, or uh, a location. God is working across this globe, and and I think we have to remember that sometimes. Sometimes it's really discouraging, isn't it? You read the news, any of you who read the news or watch the news, I don't watch it anymore. It's really discouraging. I just try to stay uh, updated so that I at least have uh, a feel for what's going on in our world. But it can be really discouraging. And we've talked about that as we walk through Daniel. Like, it's not going to get better. Like, end times are going to get worse. And, and, and sin is going to abound all the more. But we need reminded, we need to hear those testimonies that, that God is still working, that the gospel is still going forth, that his word is being placed in different places across the globe, and people are accepting Jesus still this day. Amen? I hope that excites you. I hope that encourages you. Keep pressing on. Don't get lost inside of your little bubble. All right? God's still working. Um Another note that I had is choirs tonight at 4.30. So just so you know, um, I'm excited about that and the ministry coming up for that. You walked in the last two Sundays, and hopefully you had the opportunity to receive one of these uh, Faith Promise Missions cards. And uh, hopefully you read through that through the weeks leading up and in your bulletin. Um, you've received information about Faith Promise. Faith Promise Missions is the way that we have um, uh, orchestrated to put together our giving for missions. And we've explained that through uh, our online bulletin. Uh, if you don't receive our online bulletin, would you please let us know? Uh, any of us 
on staff here or just somebody that you came with, just let us know and we would be glad to include your email in that and uh, want you to receive that. These commitment cards, uh, these, are, these are commitment cards. They're perforated um, so that you can turn in the bottom and that you can keep the top. Uh, we encourage you to prayerfully consider your role as we think of 2023 and we think about sharing the gospel and our responsibility as a church, not just here locally. We want to do that locally. We want to do that here, us, but also those who God has called locally and globally that they may continue to share the gospel. And that's our way of being able to give and to invest. We heard about that a few weeks ago, uh, John and Pam Saucier and the investment that they've had in lives. You heard testimony of that. That was part of your investment through the years, West Hills investment, uh, both relationally and also financially to be able to invest in a ministry so that that could take place. And so finances are a real part of that. And so we, I just encourage you, uh, please read through that. Please, please prayerfully consider uh, what God would have for you in your role. And then, uh, and then if you would uh, tear off that bottom section and you can place that in the box out in the foyer uh, for our missions team to be able to look and to know, notice we don't ask for names. We don't want you to put your name. You only need to fill out one card. You don't have to fill out five or six. That throws everything off for us. So just fill out one card. If you would prayerfully consider what your role is as we think of uh, above and beyond giving for the gospel's sake, for missions, faith promise. And Pastor David also mentioned about uh, Underground Church. Underground Church is this Friday. Uh, we've labeled this as the church meets overseas many places uh, underground. Um, I labeled it this many years ago because it's an in-depth time. I remember hearing a, a pastor who went over overseas to teach other pastors and they met um, in, in a home at night and uh, he had prepared for like two hours, a two-hour study. And after coming to the end of that two-hour study, they said, you can't stop. You have to give us more. We need more. We need, we need more of this. And uh, I think, again, and this isn't to slam you. This isn't to put you down. Do we need more of the word of God? Do we need more of Jesus? Do you? Ask yourself that. And so um, I would just encourage you to prayer, prayerfully consider coming and being part of that Friday. Uh, I think 99% I think of us would probably agree that the Great Commission is something really, really important. Uh, but many of us would say the Great Commission is really, really important. Go ahead. You do that. That's wonderful. I support you. I'll pray for you. But the Great Commission is for all of us, every one of us. And it's important to be a part of that. And we want to help give you some tools. We want to help encourage you. And, and we want to be able to guide. And we're going to give you some, some guidance as we go through not only Friday, but then we're going to follow up and we want to be able to help you as you walk along. What does it mean to share the gospel and to do that regularly, that, that it would become just part of your life just naturally? And so we want to encourage you. And so um, we've been praying for you and praying that God would lead during that time. We'll start here at 530. We'll have a brief dinner, enjoy some fellowship there, and then we're going to dig right in at six. So if you're coming from work and you're a little bit late, that's okay. We'll make you 
some food. We'll, oh, Cheryl's gonna, she's got it all ready, planned. She's ready to go. Uh, you can just grab it, and, and we're going to jump in and uh, be together through the night. So we look forward to that. If you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of John. That sounds weird, right? Not Daniel. For those of you who are in the Gospel of John class, uh, it's still like, okay, we're in John again. Yes, we're in John, not just because I'm teaching it, but just because that's where we're at today. Uh, This morning, I want to give you, as we think about this theme of joy that's been our theme all year, if you walked in and you've been coming week after week, you've probably missed it. It becomes one of those things that you just become uh, accustomed to, right? When you walk in, there's a banner there that's, that's out in the, for, in the foyer. When you walk in those double doors, we place it there so that it's a reminder to us as we walk in each week, kind of what our theme is, what our focus is for this year, right? And uh, I wonder how many of you missed that this morning or how many of you just like, oh yeah, that was good in January, but you become accustomed to it. And so part of today is a reminder of where we're at and what we're doing, uh, what we're focused on. We focused on Daniel and that joyful journey, the journey that God gave Daniel and also the journey that God gives us as we live joyfully. Um, and part of that focus today is I want to give us and look at a recipe for joy, a recipe for joy. And then in a few weeks, Um, Next week, we'll have Brent and Tammy Lowe here, our missionaries, and so excited for them to be able to share with us as they care for missionaries. Huge ministry, huge importance, and I'm excited for them to come and share that with us and what God's doing in and through them. And then the following week, Pastor David shared, is our Youth Sunday, and so our teens will be leading that special Sunday uh, uh, at the end of October, and so excited about that. Then we'll have um, a Prayer and Praise Sunday. And then we're going to have a Sunday where we look at um, uh, an opportunity to look at the joy stealers, not the stealers that that the Browns beat a couple weeks ago. Nobody really got on that, but um, I can't say that very often. Not stealers in that way, but the things that steal our joy. And, And yet I didn't want to do that first. I want to give you a recipe for joy. And so part of that is a reminder for me when I thought about a recipe, I always thought about that's a recipe for disaster. When you grow up with uh, all brothers, we make lots of recipes for disaster. And, uh, and we had several times, there were many times that we struggled to clean our rooms. And I, had, uh, I remember stuffed animals being laid out all in my room. And it was just an awesome fun until mom said that I had to clean it up. And then I didn't want to clean it up. And yet it was a recipe for disaster because I didn't want to do what mom told me to do. Another time we had these bike trails and the bike trails, we, we kind of, uh, I don't even know where we got these. I think my grandpa gave them to us, but there were these crates that held grapes and these crates were really cool. And so we stacked them up kind of like a wall barrier. And we had our, our BMX bikes. They weren't really BMX, but we called called on BMX, um, BMX bikes. And so this was our wall as we came around this corner. All right. And then we, we had a racetrack that we made through the old, uh, um, uh, trees that were there. It was through the woods and it was just a lot of fun. Well, we thought it would be even better. So we put these boxes up, but how much cooler would it be if we added water to this? And so we added water and mud and it was so much fun 
all right, until you came down. And a couple times we would just, you know, you bring the back of your bike around and it spins out mud and it's really, really cool. And it goes against those boxes, uh, the crates of, of, uh, of that were holding grapes. And those crates just built an awesome walls like bricks until that mud hits it and then they fall over. Well, then we got smart and we held them up. And then we tried to see how close we could get to those without actually hitting them, you know, because that's what race car drivers do. When you go around a curve, sometimes you try to go and you're trying to keep your speed going. Well, that was a recipe for disaster, right? Um, I won't tell you exactly how it turned out, but thankfully there wasn't a trip to the hospital, but there probably should have been. When we think about recipe, we also think about food, right? I, I do anyway. Maybe you don't. Um, in our home... Um, my wife loves to have a recipe. She loves to have that recipe very clear before her, and she can see what ingredients can, need to go in and how it's going to be. For me, hey, give me a recipe, and that's just the starting point. I love to throw other stuff in and to use my imagination and look in the cupboard and pull out and say, oh, let's try this today. Sometimes that works well. Other times, that doesn't work out so well. And so when we think about a recipe for joy, what does this really mean? Is it a recipe for disaster or is it a recipe that we're like, oh, too many ingredients, uh, too much going on here? I really want to simplify it this morning as we look at this text in John chapter 15. It, it really, I think, is summarized into three things we're going to look at and talk about here. I really want to make it simple for you as we think about living our lives filled with joy. All right, as we live our lives filled with joy, our theme for this year is based out of uh, Psalm 51, 12, uh, or Psalm 16, 11. It says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And so out of that, we see in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. So if you would, if you've got your Bibles there, uh, John chapter 15. And because I've been doing it lately, would you stand with me? Just a, not a long, long text, but to read the Gospel of John 15, verses 1 through 17. John 15, 1 through 17. Let's read it together. Jesus says this. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing." If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that your joy, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 
Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity to open your word this morning. I pray that as we um, have read this text, that you would bring it alive in our minds and in our hearts. Lord, as we think about this area of joy, it's not just happiness. It's not just this feeling. It's something much greater. And so, Lord, we want to have that in our lives. And so help us to take a look as we look at this text this morning and from these three simple things, Lord, to be able to apply it and live it out in our lives, to think about it and then to do it. And so that it may give us each great encouragement as we continue to walk on the face of this earth as long as you have us here. So bless our time. May your spirit work freely in us. Lord, give us the joy of knowing serving you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When we look at this text, it's a familiar text to many of us, talking about fruit and talking about the vine and branches. And, and, and when we look at this, um, Jesus is trying to help his disciples to be able to understand uh, what their role is as they continue on, because he will no longer be with them for very much longer. And so he's really setting the stage to say, listen, here's a picture of what it's going to be like. And so when we think about that, I love it because he uses in this, in this passage uh, a phrase in verse 11 about his joy. And we're going to mention that here in a minute. But when you, when you look at this context or you look at this passage, you see, first and foremost, you see an identity, right? And that's where we have to start. The first ingredient when we think about joy is our identity. And we have to ask ourselves, who am I? Or who are you? Who are you? What does that look like? Well, you're not divine. I don't know if you've realized that or not, but you aren't God. Did you realize that? Have you come to terms with that yet? If you haven't, I'm sure God is trying to get a hold of you to help you to realize you don't control the universe. It's a hard lesson. It's a continual lesson, at least for me. I'm a branch. In our passage here, Jesus is the vine, God is the vine, and we are the branches. And so we have to first look at, when you think about this ingredient and the ingredients of joy, what is, what is our identity? Who am I? That's the starting point. That's the foundation of where we go when we live each day. When you wake up in the morning, you ask yourself, who am I? Who am I? Not, not yet, what do I need to do? You often just jump past this first, who am I, to jump to, okay, what do I got to do today? Um, and we overstep this first foundational thought. We have to be confident of this identity 
based not on our feelings, not based on what other people have told us, not even based on our decisions. This identity is crucial. Those of you, you who have raised children, you know a little bit of this struggle, right? As you raise your children, uh, you lose more and more control. And while you keep influence, you have still have an influence on them. You lose control over them. For example, when my children were little, I could make them do certain things. You are going to go in your room and clean it up. All right. And if you don't come out or you will not come out until it's clean and they work through that and all that, or you're going to clean up the toys when they're little, it's easy not to control them in a manipulative way, but to help them to do the things that you know are important and crucial, like go in and brush your teeth. You are not going anywhere until you brush your teeth. It's an important aspect of parent raising, right? And so you have that control. As they grow older, you have less control over them. And sometimes you don't know where they are. Life 360 is a great tool. And while you might see where they are or find my iPhone, you don't know exactly what they're doing. Unless you go in cahoots with their friends and slip them a little bit of money and they send you a video of what's taking place. But with that becomes this, and, and Lisa and I are wor working through this, and I'm just being very real here this morning. Sometimes our identity, you know, is what my children are doing. And you get that, you wrestle with that even as your children are small. But as our children get older, and they make a good decision, we identify with that. And we're like, yeah, I'm their parent. <laughs> I raised them good. I remember hearing my mom one time, we were in the basement of Norton Baptist Church and I was home from college uh, on a break. And I remember a dear older seasoned woman um, came up to my mom and said, you must be so proud of your sons, Diane. And Diane said, it's only by the grace of God. And that stuck with me. It's not that mom and dad were bad or that they did everything right. As individuals and especially as parents, we're not always going to do everything right. And very quickly we can be caught up in our identity that is based upon our children. And as our children make bad decisions, all of a sudden we're basing our identity on something that, that, that is false. That's not true. We can do that in a lot of different ways. It could be your job. It could be your work. It could be your ministry. That's hard as a pastor. Through the years, and I'm going to talk about this on our anniversary Sunday, of walking through what does it look like to be at a place for 23 years and to serve. And that wrestling of the identity as a pastor. Am I successful or am I not? As a parent, as a, a worker, as, a, as a, a spouse, as an individual who right now who lives on the face of this earth, it is most crucial and important that we start here with this base ingredient. It's your identity. Who are you? It's the starting point. And for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ. John tells us in one of his epistles. 
Behold what manner of love. Look and see, isn't it amazing, John says, the amount of love that God has shown to me. And he says that we would be called children of God. When you stop and think about that, and the bigness of that, that our identity, first and foremost, can you say today, I am God's child? That's where we have to start. Because it's, if you're not, John makes it clear here as Jesus says this, whoever doesn't abide with me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and his branches are gathered and thrown to the fire and burned. Meaning you're not one of him. You're not abiding in him. You're not coming to him. You're not one of his. You have not yet, as Paul writes in Romans, we as Gentiles, we've been grafted in. We've been given this great salvation, the forgiveness of our sin that's been extended to all nations. It's through Jesus, though, that we could be called children. It's through Jesus and what he did on the cross when he suffered and died and was buried. And then that three days later, he rose from the dead. It's Jesus' work that allows us to be able to accept by faith, to place our trust in him, to say, I'm unworthy to follow you, Lord. I'm unworthy to be able to earn my way to heaven. I can't do anything, and that's what religion does. Religion bases our every day on getting better or doing enough for God that he would one day maybe call us home to heaven. Religion doesn't work. A relationship is what works, and that's why Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Only through me can you come to the Father. It's only through Jesus and what he does did and it's only by accepting that by faith by trusting in the word of God and what he's told us the fact that we could have our forgive our sins forgiven the fact that I could come into a relationship with my creator God who placed me here on this earth your identity is most crucial and I believe, as we've seen across the globe in our world today, and it's nothing new, there's nothing new under the sun, Solomon says, but we see this attack over and over and over again about our identities. And we see it in a culture where we see it today very, 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 very real. It's a culture that's attacking our young people to cause them to question their identity. We today, as the church, as followers of Jesus, first and foremost, we must be this ingredient. It must be included where we come and say, I know my identity. I know who I am. And if it's anything other than a child of Jesus, a child of God, then cast it out, throw it away. Let it go. There is nothing more important than for you to be able to say, Yes, I am a child of God. And for it to be based on not your works, not what you do, but based on Jesus and what he did. And you accepting that free gift that he has given. Identity. Who are you? You're a branch. 
you and I are a branch. Second is this, source. So if I am understanding what my identity is, who I am, what is the source that allows me to go through each day? Well, here's this ingredient. It causes us to question this and ask this question, how do I function? Or how do you function? As you go throughout your day, day after day, how do you get through your day? What keeps you going? What builds upon, I'm a child of God, so now what? We see here that we must abide in the vine. John tells us, as Jesus is encouraging his disciples, listen, as you go throughout life, the recipe ingredient that you need in order to be successful is to abide in me. We've talked about this for years now. I've preached about this, the importance of abiding in Christ, of coming to him and saying, not only do I accept you as Savior, but in accepting you as Savior, part of that is a realization that I need you every day, Jesus. I need to be with you. I need you as my source. The one who guides me, who strengthens me, who keeps me going. So if you don't spend time in the word, if you don't spend time talking and praying, spending time with Jesus, how do you expect to have a recipe of joy that's going to produce joy? You're not going to have it. Notice that the fruit of the Spirit that we see Paul writes about later in, in his, one of his epistles, we see this joy is listed there. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, godliness, all those. Joy isn't something that you and I can manifest. As much as, much as we may want to produce joy... We can't do it. You can produce happiness. When I woke up this morning after going to bed early, I was really happy. My team won last night. It was really cool. That produced something, a happiness in me. But that happiness isn't going to last. It's just temporary. So how can I produce something that will last so that when I wake up every morning, it's, it's there. That when I go through difficulties and trials and struggles, it's still there. So that I can be able to do what Paul tells me when he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. How does that happen when I can count it all joy when I fall into various trials? How can I have that joy in my life? Because what I experience every day isn't something that lasts forever. Especially as you grow up a fan in northeastern Ohio. You know and you realize the factory of sadness. You can't produce this joy that God has shown us in his word. It is a fruit of the spirit. And that fruit is born out of abiding in the vine. It comes out of spending time with God over and over and over again. It's that relationship aspect that God desires to have with each of us. And yet oftentimes what I hear as a pastor, when people start um, wrestling with different issues of life, I'm too busy for God. In one way, shape, or form, 
We've often said that. You've said it. You may not use those words, but we do that. When we look at the source of our joy, that ingredient comes out of abiding and treasuring the presence of a God who wants to be with me each and every day. Will I cease to use excuses? Will I treasure and run after that? That's the question. Will I make a priority? The truth is, when we allow Jesus to be that source for us and stop trying to find other people or other things to be that source, we find great peace. Who are you looking to to try to fill you up with joy? What things are you pursuing? I'm not saying that they're bad. I'm just saying they won't give you what only Jesus can give you. Third is this. The third ingredient for this recipe of joy is focus. So identity is who I am. The source is how do I function? The focus is the goal. What's the goal? John tells us here, Jesus says, listen, I, I want you to abide in me. And part of abiding in me, when you abide in me, something wonderful takes place. You bear fruit. Isn't that awesome? I don't know what kind of fruit I am. And I don't know what kind of fruit I bear. You ever think about that? My banana, pineapple. Apple, peach, I don't know. I don't think I'm a peach. I'm a little fuzzy sometimes. When you think about bearing fruit, here we are in that picture of the vine. We're the branches, and as we abide with Jesus, something awesome takes place. God produces the fruit, and that's our focus Instead, we get so focused on so many other things that we lose sight of why we're there. Why are you here as a child of God seeking to live each day in him? Ultimately, it's to bring him pleasure, to honor and worship him. But God wants to do something in each of us. He wants to bear fruit. I love as he talks about this. He says, uh, verse 8, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You prove to be a, a God follower as you bear fruit. That gives us encouragement. And part of that is, is that when we think about us bearing fruit, then we get to have this awesome opportunity of bearing this fruit. And then this fruit abides. And so it's almost a generational thing. As I live my life, then those who I get to have an impact on that are part of the fruit of my life and me abiding in God, then they abide in the vine and then they start producing. It's a really cool picture. This recipe of joy. And as we think about living life with a joy-filled life, our focus must be upon the fruit. The fruit of faithfulness and trust. How do we do this long term? 
Because notice this verse in verse 11. It says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, I put it up here. I underlined it and made it bold. It's not that way in your Bible, so I took the liberty to do that, okay? Please know that. My joy. Notice what Jesus says. Where, where is our source of joy from? It comes from the vine. And as we stay focused of abiding in him, all of a sudden, this idea and this thought of bearing fruit comes because Jesus gave us his joy. And out of that joy, I can have the fullness of life and have impact on other people. And so if you're looking for a joy-filled life, it will not come apart from Jesus. Because the joy that you and I need isn't about a sports team. It's not even about the birth of a child. It's not even about a marriage ceremony, a wedding. Those are all fun and glorious and wonderful times. But the joy that does something in the depths of our soul comes from one source. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus wants to let his followers know, listen, I want my joy to be in you. I want my joy to be in you so that why? That your joy may be full. Again, I talked about the recipe. Often talking about food. Sometimes there's, you know, a good fool. When after you eat a meal, you're like, oh, I feel good. And then there's other bad fools. Not like foolish, but fool. Like when you're done with a meal and you're like, oh. I feel horrible because you know you ate way too many Twinkies. This isn't a bad fool. He says, listen, I want you to experience the best that you possibly could have. That's our God. And so while he may allow trials to come into our lives, think about Paul. As he sat in jail, what did he do? He whined and complained. Man, if, if God would only deliver me out of here, I could really do something for him. That's not what Paul did. He sang. He sang in jail. He shared the gospel. And the jailer got saved, man. That's awesome. I'm not the apostle Paul. I can't do that. No, the recipe is already laid out for us here. You can, not by yourself. It's not your doing. Paul's life was radically transformed because he had a real encounter with the living Jesus who came to him and showed him the truth. Paul decided that is the truth and he followed Jesus and he gave his life to Jesus and everything he did from that point on was centered around Jesus and Jesus is calling for him. For us today, as you live your life and you wake up every day, if you center your life and your focus upon Jesus and bearing fruit, he will do amazing and great things for you. That does not mean there won't be jails. That does not mean there won't be trials. That does not mean that people won't pick up sticks or stones and try to throw them at you. Hard times are ahead for those who continue to follow Jesus. But there is no greater joy than in serving him, is there? 
That's why the psalmist can say in Psalm 126, verse 3, the Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. There's a secret ingredient, and as we think about this, John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And then we go down and it says, you didn't choose me, verse 16, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Here's this last ingredient. It's a secret one. It's not even up there. Ask. Ask God. Don't demand it, but ask him. Don't be afraid to come to him. I love what the preacher Adrian Rogers said. He said, I have no greater ambition, desire, or responsibility than just to abide in the Lord Jesus Christ. As we abide, we come asking. It's okay to ask. That's that sweet little, like, cherry on top. Because we come to the God of the universe, and he wants us to know, hey, I want you to have joy. And as you're serving me, I want you to experience that joy. And I just want to remind you, as you're living life each day, abiding in me, you can come to me with anything. How awesome is that? We have a God like that. I hope this has been encouraging and helpful to you as we think about living a joy-filled life. Three ingredients, identity, our source, and our focus. And then ask. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for the time of being here and in your word. I pray that you would use it for your glory. May we not just be hearers of the word, but may we be doers of it as well. We pray this in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen.